All right, and in just a moment, Brother Tim's going to come and preach for us. And um, Armand actually had something good to say there in saying, Let, let's catch our breath. Because a lot of us, we got here early, we've been running here and there, getting everything set up. But uh, as much as we enjoy all the activities, all the extra things that goes into this particular weekend for us, we never want to lose sight of why we're so busy running here and there. Why we took extra time on a Friday evening, took off our Saturday mornings, and our Sunday mornings we, we normally do, we're here, but why are we spending this much time on this subject? We want, it's not as if our church doesn't uh, get involved in missions, right? This isn't a new subject to us, but, but it is such an important subject to the Lord, we need a constant reminder of it. We want the Lord to impress upon our hearts and to remind us, listen, to just how powerful the gospel of Christ is. I, look at what it's done in your life. You're here on a Friday evening. What happened to you? <laughs> you think about that. Think about that. Some of you just, just don't think about it too long. Don't dwell on it too long. But there was a day and age, there was a time in your life where on a Friday evening you would not be here. Anywhere but here. But here you are. You've been waiting and praying for months for this evening. Right? And, and running all about getting ready for it, but now we, get, we just take a deep breath and say, God, please speak to our hearts. So it, it's a great honor. Brother Tim has made time to take away from his wife and six daughters, his church in Post Falls, Idaho, to come and be with us tonight. So as the week goes on, right, as the weekend goes on, you'll have a chance to get to know him a bit and shake his hand and chat with him a bit. So we'll do more introductions as the week progresses. But uh, where, where did he go? Where is he? There he is. Brother Tim, you come on up and preach for us. It is great to be here. I appreciate you being out this evening. And as Brother Mike mentioned, on a, on a Friday night, um, I'm a pastor. Uh, I know how things go. I, I don't take that for granted at all. And I know he doesn't. And um, you could be other places. Some of you couldn't. Some of you were made to be here, and I appreciate you being here as well. Uh, but, but most of you chose to be here tonight. And, you know, you think about just, just that right there. Um, th this side of heaven, we, we get to make choices that, you know, we, we could do evil or we could do good. And I'm, I think being here tonight is good. And God blesses you for that. But we're going to get to heaven someday or be with the Lord someday forever and we'll just do good. But right now, um, we have a choice. And we make that choice for the Lord. Yeah, just little things. I think sometimes we make things like you have to do this huge thing to please the Lord. Just a little thing puts a smile on the Lord's face. He loves that. And uh, so that's why your pastor harasses you for three months. Hey, we're having a missions meeting. Really want you to be there. There's going to be this American guy going to be there from a place that you've never been. And um, maybe you'll come someday, but, um, and, you, and we'd like you to come and listen to him. And I, so I, I greatly appreciate that. Um, I, um, I love your pastor. I love his family. And I pray for them often. And I pray for them by name. 
And uh, we've supported them not very long. He thought we supported him a lot longer. But I, re- but I reminded him we didn't. We didn't like him the first time he came to our church. That's not true at all. That's a lie. Uh, we, we just could not support. Uh, we couldn't support him the first time around. And then uh, was able to come around just, just really a couple years ago. Maybe not even. And um, we were able to take them on for support. And tr- just try to help out a little bit. Just partner with the work here. We'll talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, he mentioned um, another family and uh, uh, out of this church, and we tried to help them out now as well. And um, excited about that. Keep their prayer cards in my Bible. I had to switch some around when I was traveling, and so I don't have them in there right now, but um, appreciate them. Um, I... I, uh, I'm 50 years old. I got saved November 17, 1992, and I was in Bible college. I was at Oklahoma Baptist College in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, United States of America. And uh, I, I, you know, I was in church my whole life growing up. My parents were divorced when I was, I don't even know, one or two. And uh, my dad got saved shortly thereafter, and he got remarried, and I lived with my mom. And uh, we, we, we were just, we were in church. My mom took me to church till I was about 13. And then when I was 13, she, she drugged me to church. Uh, we have a joke. I, I had a drug problem when I was in my teens. My mom drugged me to church. My mom drugged me to youth. My drug drugged me to, and she did, but I'm thankful today that she did. And, but I, I wandered and I did my thing. And then uh, one day I, I, I wanted to make some changes, and I, I moved to my dad's house. My dad's a preacher by that point, and had, had been since 1981. Uh, but but I, I moved in, and now I have all of a sudden went from an only child. And if you, if you were around me for about 30 minutes, you'd know that I'm an only child. I'm very selfish. Uh, I like to be alone. Um, all those type of things that you only child know about. But, but uh, then all of a sudden I have five brothers and sisters. I have two brothers now. And they're just outside my door, and, and they're little, you know, they're just 12 and 8 or something like that, and I'm 19, and I got, a, I got three sisters, and uh, what an introduction, and now I'm in church all the time, and, and still, still didn't have Christ. And I thought I did, but I, I didn't. I wasn't saved. I knew all about them right here, but, but I'd never, I've never, never, never called upon the name of the Lord for salvation. So I, I, I decided I, I'd go to Bible college. I was starting to get into some of the old ruts that I was in when I was, at, um, when I was younger. And so I, I, I ended up down at a Bible college, Oklahoma Baptist College, and pre- preaching just every class is preaching. Uh, chapel every day. Devotions every morning at 5.30 or 6. And, and then, you know, Wednesday night church, Thursday night bus, Saturday bus, Sunday church, 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 church. And the Bible says, is not my word like as a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces like a fire like hammer and you know, my, my hard heart the lord just kept putting the hammer to it and one day there was this preacher preaching in chapel it was by the way the same preacher that got me to go down to bible college and uh, his name was preston Bennell. he's an evangelist and he's a leather-lunged preacher um he he would turn about the shade of red of your chairs and then he would take a breath, 
and, and he'd you know, get back you know, to, to being fair-skinned again, and then he would just preach. And then he'd turn red again, and then, <gasps> and then he'd just go at it again. And I needed that. I needed that hard preaching. And he was preaching out of Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And in that, he gave the gospel. He's a gospel preacher. And at the end of the, at the, end of the service, he said, uh, is there anyone here who is not saved but would like to be saved this evening? Slip your hand up. And, and I mean, you, this, this battle's going on inside. Some of, you, some of you have had that battle. Some of you need to have that battle, maybe. But some of you have had that battle. And, and pride is saying, you know, you, you got this. You're good. But the Lord is saying, there's none good. You, you have fallen short. And so he's like, slip your hand up. And all of a sudden, my hand went up. And then, you're, and then, I, and then I'm thinking, what are you doing? And he says, all right, if you raised your hand, come forward. Oh, I mean, I knew, he was, I knew that was coming, but so I went forward and I got saved, called on Jesus, and, and the best day of my life. Got baptized the next day. About a year later, I was uh, in, in this, at the same college in a different service, and uh, the Lord called me to preach. Uh, I remember it very distinctly and went forward, and I had a man pray with me, and I surrendered my life to preach, preach the word. That's what I've been trying to do ever since ever since May 1st, 1993. And I just, just gave my life. There it is, Lord. Uh, whatever you'd have me to do. And uh, I, I said I'd do anything. And so, a series of events, I end up back at my dad's place. My dad's a pastor and I'm doing everything for him. I'm leading songs and doing the sound booth at the same time. I'm doing junior church. I'm doing Sunday school. And I'm doing filling in for preaching. I'm, I'm cleaning the toilets. I'm doing, I'm doing everything. I wanted to be around the church. I just wanted to do anything that I could. I really did. I wanted to do anything I could for the church because it's the Lord's church. It's for the Lord. I, just, I, just, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be around it. And my dad made sure of that as well, but, but, but just, just was there. And, and yet, you know, I just didn't have direction. I wanted to go here. And then my dad would say, you're not going there. And I'd cry. I want to go there. And then he's, I'd just sit down again. I'd stick in, in, in Missoula, Montana one of the most beautiful places on the planet. And, uh, and then the Lord kept on saying, uh, anywhere? And I, I said, uh, anywhere. But I knew anywhere, it meant anywhere but India. <laughs> I don't want to go to India. I still don't want to go to India. I just, I just don't. I'm not, I don't, want to, I don't want to go there. And I remember him saying that and, and just one day going to the altar and praying, Lord, I don't want to go there. You, you know I don't want to go there, but I'll go. Yeah. But I'll go. And about, about three to four weeks later, I was uh, visiting my mom in North Dakota, uh, the state that I grew up in, and I got a call from my dad. My dad said, hey, uh, Pastor Andrus just resigned his church. It, it was about, about two and a half hours uh, west of us in Missoula, he said, would you like to? Before he got the word out, I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so, uh, for 22 years, I've been pastoring the Heritage Baptist Church in Post Falls, Idaho. 
And uh, Lord's Lord's good, isn't he? The Lord's really, really good. The reason we know he's good is because we're ble- we're breathing. But but he's really good, and he's blessed us, and I've been blessed. Uh, I'm I'm married. Um, I have a I have a awesome wife, and uh, I, I have six daughters. Thank you. Six daughters. It's awesome. Yeah. People say, did you ever try for a boy? Hmm, let me think on this for a second. Yes, all right? Six times, all right? Six times. And uh, so I have six daughters. They're awesome. And uh, two son-in-laws now. Got two of my girls are married. One just got married in July. And one grandson. And um, they, the grand, grandchildren are, are cool. And um, they're, they're, they're pretty neat. Not just because you can send them home. But, you know, they're just cool. You know, I think part of being grand... Someone asked the other, why are they so cool? And I said, because you can send them home. But I think part of it is you kind of know what you're doing finally. Like, if you think you know what you're doing as a parent, <laughs> there's always tomorrow. <laughs> right? But you kind of know what you're doing finally, so you have this kid, and you kind of know how to handle him a little bit better, although he's a boy, and they are completely different, right? I mean, Lewis, his name's Lewis. He goes out, he's, he's named after Lewis Hamilton, the race car driver. That is his name, Lewis Hamilton. And uh, he, he, he go, he's outside for less than five seconds, and he is dirtier than anyone in here right now. It's awesome. Because he's a boy, right? And that's just boys should be boys. And anyway, uh, that, that's where we're at. Uh, we are at our church in a building project. Um, I think maybe your pastor has even mentioned that to you. And so we have our, our building is framed. And uh, by the time I get back, the metal should be on the roof most, most of it's a metal roof and um, this has been a long project for us it's been about five years of discussions and then we started I think back in in April did we have a foundation when you were there in May oh I guess it's been since then yeah so it's maybe maybe June they started and um, you know just just so you kind of get an idea our building project is approximate like right now it's at 4.1 million dollars so that's that's a lot of rand. That's all I know. And, um, but that's just how it is. And um, we'll have an auditorium with about 300, and we're excited. We have a great building right now, but we sold that, and we're moving for various reasons. And, and I know your building, and I went over to your property the other day, and I just, I love it. I love looking at plans. I'm excited for you. I think it's going to be so awesome not to have to set up chairs every day, every time. Just to have your own place and, and come and pray and uh, be and live for Jesus and see people train up. A building project is way more than just for you. It's for the future. It's hope to help. The Bible always talks about room for growth. I have this tree in my backyard and uh, when my stepmom died... Uh, she had given it to me before she died. She, died of, uh, she, had, she had breast cancer and she passed away. And, and uh, before she died, she gave me this, this oak tree. And oaks don't go, grow that great in our area. But 
Um, we were in the process of moving, and so it was in this container, maybe a 10-gallon container. Just, just small. And it just, you know, you know what it did? It just stayed about that, about that big and about this tall. That's just, it just it didn't grow. We got to our new house, and it stayed that pot for a while because I was just being lazy and had other things to do, but mostly lazy. And one day I planted that thing. I just, just planted it about six months ago. And, and, and now that, that thing, just, just in less than a year, it's already about seven, eight feet tall. You know why? It has room to grow. It has room to grow. So I'm excited about the building project. We're not here to talk about that. Let's, let's take our Bibles, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Blessed to be here this evening, glad to be here. Thank you for being here. Simple thought tonight. Simple thought tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And uh, verse number 9. So Solomon is writing this, this book. Ecclesiastes and you know in his wisdom that God's given him and uh, want to look at a irrevocable biblical principle this evening and it's very simple it's right there in uh, verse number nine and I, I just just these first five words to begin with the Bible says there two are better than one two are better than one and this is, a, this is a biblical principle. It's an irrevocable, irrevocable biblical principle. Uh, it, it's not just used by Christians. The, the world knows this as well. And uh, two are better than one. Let's read on down to verse number 12, and then we'll make some comments tonight. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Let's pray. Father, thank you again we can assemble tonight, and thank you for uh, the good singing already, and thank you for uh, the choir as a blessing. I love that song. And Lord, we, we are in you and we thank you and we can do nothing without you. So we ask for you tonight. We ask for your presence and your power and your spirit and your goodness and your mercy and your grace and to shower down on us this evening. We put ourselves in a place of blessing, Father, and we ask your Father for it. And Lord, I, I just pray that uh, tonight, and in and, and the next couple days, uh, Lord, you'd be glorified. Stir our hearts uh, for the cause of Christ's missions. And Father, I pray you'd help me to preach your word, help me to tell the truth, help me to speak the truth in love. And I just, I, I really do, Lord, I thank you. I, I thank you that I get to come here and do this. And I get to thank, I, get, I thank you for letting me do it anytime. I am undeserving of the least of these thy mercies. And I love you, Lord, and you're the best. And I pray this all in Jesus' name, believing. Amen. I love this passage. Um, I was on the plane, I think from, I think it was London to here. And uh, I was reading my Bible. 
And I, can't, I decided I was going to read Ecclesiastes. I try to read Ecclesiastes, I don't, know, I don't know, three to four, five, six times a year. I'm a pastor and it's to the preacher. And so I try to read that, try to maybe sometimes get myself aligned with the Lord. And we need that every now and then, more often than not. And uh, I got down to this passage right here, and I've, I've uh, preached uh, this message. It's, it's been quite a while, but I've preached it, I think, to our church and maybe, maybe one other place. And, uh, but the Lord was just really impressing upon me uh, this passage and uh, this, this thought, two are better than one. And uh, it should be stated and seen in verse number 9 that the two here in the context are laborers. Do you see that? See, it says because they have a good reward for their labor. So, so he's just not putting two together. You know, um, it, it's, it's two laborers that are put together and two laborers that are working together and two laborers that are striving together, not, not against but together. And it's, it's laborers that he's uh, spe- uh, speaking of here. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, people talk about two minds and getting together. Well, that's, that can be better if, if, if they're not both stupid or if they're not, you know, <laughs> foolish. But there's two laborers. And it should go without saying as Christians uh, that we are laborers. Should go without saying. As Christians, we're to be laborers. And everybody's got a little a different job to do. And, you know, if we were to take time, and your pastor has done this, I, I know this. I follow him online a little bit, and, and I see his discipleship. But you get into the gifts of the ministry in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. You, you're gifted. Everyone in here is gifted for a work. That's what ministry is it's work, it, it's not just your pastor. And, and you know that, but you need to know that. That, that you're a laborer. And so he says you're two laborers. Two laborers. Two are better than one. And I, I think also it can be stated and should be seen and noted that these, these two laborers should be on the same page. Okay? So um, if today is a day we're going to be planting, we should both be planting. If today is a day we're going to be watering, we should both be watering. If today is a day we're going to be reaping, we should both be reaping. If today is a day we're going to go out and pick rocks. Because don't rocks just seem to grow? I, I, have, I have 12 acres and we, we, may, we do hay on nine of them. And, and every now and then I've got to go out and the farmer that does my hay across the road, he says if it's bigger than... A fist, and his and he's got bigger. He's got big fists. He's a farmer. He's got big fists, and he says, "If it's bigger than a fist, pick, pick it up." Now, I've done that numerous times. I've lived there for five years, four years. I've lived, I've, but I, I'm amazed. I go out there in the same place that I did it before, and there's a rock. Now, I, I do have grandson Lewis may have put it there. You're right, but I mean, just it seems like they grow. And what I'm saying is, some days we got to get out there and we got to pick rock. We got to break up fallow ground. We need to be on the same page. Right? If Amos 3.3, 3, can, can two walk together except they be agreed. We, we should be, we should, we, here's what we say. I don't know. I think we have the same statements. We should be on the same page. I want you to hear that again. We should be on the same page. We, we should be on the same page. Do you know that, like, there's no... 
There's no verse in Scripture that says you should read your Bible through once a year. There, there's no verse. There's no verse that says there's no verse that says you should read it through. But it's a good thing to do. Do you know there, there's no verse that says you should read a Proverbs a day? But it's just kind of neat how the Lord put 31 days in a book with 31 chapters and a bunch of months months with 31 days. And so, you just for instance, if today you read Proverbs, what day is it? I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> Proverbs, it's the ninth. Okay, I read that this morning. Good, good, good. <laughs> good. good. Uh, just so you know that I'm more spiritual than you, sometimes I read two Proverbs a day. <laughs> I really do because, not to be more spiritual, but because I'm in a class and I'm supposed to read it. And so, anyway, Proverbs 9. So if you read Proverbs 9 today and I read Proverbs 9 today, you know, we, we, we could be, we could start to be on the same page. It just, it just helps. Because there's so many things that are distracting us and trying to get us, listen, against one another. So we've got to get on the same page. When I got, when, before I got saved, my dad gave me a Bible. And he said, read a Proverbs today. I didn't read. I, didn't, I'm, I'm, I knew how to read. I just didn't read. I read Sports Illustrated. That, that's a publication that tells about sports. And, uh, and he gave me a Bible. And he says, well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, obviously you start in the beginning. That's a great place to start a book, isn't it? I have a sister-in-law who reads the last chapter of a book first. Well, that bothers me. <laughs> Takes all the suspense away from any book. But, but, but she can do that. You can do that. But I'm just... But, but he said, just do, start in the beginning, Genesis, and then read a Proverbs a day. That was January 15th, 1992. That's what I've been doing. Now, again, that doesn't make me any better than you. I'm just saying that it helps me. Because Proverbs is a book of wisdom, and all of us lack wisdom. Okay, okay, so I need to get to the message. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. So their labors that are on the same page, and this is a principle that's seen historically, but in the Scripture. So Christ, Christ sends His disciples out, doesn't He? He had 70 of them. Then He had the 12, and then you could say He had the three, and, then, and maybe the one. And you could debate who the one would be. It would be John or Peter. James probably wanted to be the one. But, but you had the one. And so... So he would take those 70, and the Bible says that he would send them out two and two. Go, go into the villages and, and preach and heal and do those things, and he sends them out two and two. And you get a little bit further on, and, and the church has now started and getting its you know, energy and getting its motion, and Paul and Barnabas are sent out in Acts chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas, two and two. And of course, they split, but they can't do it alone. So Paul takes Silas and Barnabas takes Mark. So, so it's, it's two and it's two. And Paul later on says, oh, the church at Macedonia, uh, you need some help. Acts 19. So he says, Timothy and, and Epaph, uh, Erastus and, and go help them. And, and in Revelation, some guys are going to come back and preach. And it's going to be two witnesses. And so the Lord sets up a principle in the Scripture Two are better than one. And Solomon gets to make the statement and we get to read that and learn from that. And, but he expounds on it. And he doesn't just leave us hanging. Two are better than laboring. And what, what, what does that all mean? And, 
in this passage, it's actually pretty clear. So he says, first of all, in verse number 10, for if they fall. So point number one is, two are better than one if you fall. If you fall. Now, um, chances are you're going to fall. You're going to fall. So what do you mean by fall? Well, a fall doesn't always have to be this big thing. We might use that terminology sometimes. As pastors, we might. We'd say, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? What happened? They fell. Right? Right, guys? Maybe it's not another pastor. It's just a church member we're familiar with. Yeah, we, we, we have a meeting coming up in October. It's our anniversary meeting, and people just come from the Northwest and parts. And, and, and you know, every year people come, and this, you know, our people are there, and then they're there, and then people will come up to me, and they'll say, hey, hey where's you know, so-and-so? Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes it's big time, and sometimes it's just it's just something small. But but they fell. Sometimes it's a snare. Right? The, the Bible says that the snares of the devil, they're just out there. And and you know, we want to help people, the Bible says, recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Or taken captive by him, taken captive by him at his will. Sometimes it's a fault. It's something that you have a propensity to, but you're not doing it yet, but you could do it. It's a fault. And so, so those are falls. And chances are you're going to fall. But, but the Lord gives you a partner and partners you with someone, allows you to partner with someone. And I, and I would say tonight, we talk about uh, uh, two are better than one. I, I would say that when we talk about two are better than one, we're talking about, uh, we, we, we could talk about husband and wife. We could talk about you and your local church. Now, I understand that's one and many, but it's you and your local church. We, we, we could talk about just co-laborers together, one and one. We could talk about, and I think we just think about this a little bit, we could talk about the local church and missionary. Partnership. And that's what we are. We're, we're a partnership. Like t- tonight, I'm here as a representative, if you would, of Heritage Baptist Church, and we've partnered with your pastor and really your church and you for the ministry of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And sometimes we fall. Now, uh, David fell. David fell. David, King David. The one who wrote m- much of Psalms. David fell. Nathan helped him. Nathan helped him. He helped him out of some trouble. He helped him out of a fall, didn't he? Come on. Are we aware of that? Nathan goes to him and says, Thou art the man. Uh, David, David fell. New Testament, Peter. Peter fell and fell. He fell again. P- Peter was a good faller. A good feller. That's what we could say. <laughs> Peter was a good feller. <laughs> that wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> you got to write that one down. 
Peter fell. And, uh, you know, the Lord, the Lord was there to help him. The Lord, he said, Peter, uh, Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. Uh, but when you're converted, he didn't say, I'm going to stop the sifting. He said, when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. I don't think Peter heard that second part. But he got that second part. See, why does that happen? Well, a just man falleth seven times. And, and sometimes more. But, but the Bible says, and riseth yet again. How, how, does, he, how does he do that? Well, I'm just going to pull myself up. And, and listen, sometimes you've got to work on that yourself. But man, it is so good to have a partner, someone with you, uh, two or better than one, to help you when you are fallen. Uh, look, if you would, just, just keep, hold your place there in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and look at, look at Galatians chapter 6. Two are better than one. Galatians chapter 6 and chapter, uh, verse number 1. Galatians 6 and verse number 1. The Bible, the Bible says here, brethren. So, so brothers, that's, 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 that, that's the Christians. That's those that are saved. If a man be overtaken in a fault, that, that's saved people that are taken in a fault. It just it happens. We we don't want it to happen to you. We don't want it to happen to me. I don't want it to happen. No one wants it to happen, but it happens. And brethren, if a man be I don't know. I, look, I'm an American, okay? So I'm, I know I'm not in America. I know that. But I think sometimes in American churches, we think that no one ever gets taken in a fault. But we just, it's, it's, but, but we do. We, we got this stuff here called flesh. And in our flesh dwells no good thing. So we're taken in a fault. The Bible says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Oh, I'm not really spiritual. Are you saved? Okay. you got the spiritual man in you. And, and by the way, you should be spiritual. And there's nothing wrong with being spiritual. There's everything right with being spiritual. But ye which are spiritual, he says, restore such an one. Can I just say, pick them up. Help them up. This is not a time to kick. Pick them up. Come on, how can I help you? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Notice the next verse. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What, what, what law is that? Well, Christ was a burden bearer. You can do the same thing. How, how can I help you? I don't, I don't need any help. You need help. Why, why do you need help? You've fallen. In, in, in the United States, we have this commercial, and it's these well-stricken and age uh, folks, and they, you know, they're at the age where they do fall sometimes, and they can't get up. So they have this little thing you can wear around your neck, and when you fall, you can press the button and call 911, the, the emergency services. And the commercial has this elderly lady and she's fallen and she presses the button and it says, so-and-so, how can I help you? And she says, I've fallen and I can't get up. 
You, you know what she needs? And if you've fallen, you need to receive the help up. Because the Lord wants you up. You know, Jude says that, that the Lord will keep you from falling. The problem, we don't, we don't take heed to what the Lord says. So we fall. And the Lord wants you up again. So two are better than one, if you fall. And chances are, you're going to fall. So you've got to partner. And you get to partner with brethren and sisters and Christ, and you get to partner with missionaries and help them. We, you know, we, we, we are a church that supports missionaries. Heritage Baptist Church, we support missionaries. We have five men out of our church. One is the previous pastor. I didn't train him. And another man out of our church that was a faithful man, and he's a, he's a pastor in uh, Montana, and we have a, a man that we kind of received. He wasn't out of our church, but we support him and send him, and he's in, he's in Cambodia, and we have a man uh, in our church, uh, or was in our church, and now he's in Chile, and we have a man who's in uh, the Philippines, and you know, we support missionaries, and we've been missions-minded, and we don't expect them to be perfect. Uh, the Dobbins and uh, the Flicks and I and Garrett and his family were there. We were talking last night, and we are talking about a missionary in Mongolia, uh, Craig Fitzgerald, and just the honesty of his letters. And many missionaries are afraid to be honest about life because they might lose $50 a month support or $100 a month support, which is ludicrous. We're here to help. We're here to partner. We don't expect perfection. When someone falls, we want to help them up. Help them get back on their feet and restore them. Restoration, reconciliation, that is the goal, always. So what do we need? Well, we need two. You're a one. Someone's a two. Get together. Get some help. Number two, go back here to Ecclesiastes chapter four. Again, the context is labor. We're working together. You know, you work with someone, you get to see some things that other people don't get to see. You see some really, really good things, and then you get to see some not-so-good things. I didn't know that about you. Well, now you do. Well, I, now you have to question, do I really like you as much as I liked you before? And grace gets you over those things. Grace gets you through those things. And so, number one, two are better than one if, if, if you fall. Number two, and I'll, I'll alliterate here and then I'll... Two are better than one if you're freezing, if you're cold. If you're cold. Look, look, at, look at verse 11. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but one, how can one be warm alone? How can one be warm alone? And uh, the Bible says this, spiritually speaking. I think... I think you can see a physical illustration right there. But spiritually speaking, sin and iniquity make one cold. Okay, let me, let me show you that. Hold your place here in Ecclesiastes. Look at Matthew chapter number 24. I, I, I've, I've listened to your pastor enough online and then you know, at our church. He was at our church twice in the last really 12 months. But um, uh, I, I know that you're a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-preaching. Church, and I appreciate that. 
when, when I preach many times, you know, people come up to me and, and uh, say, wow, you, you used a lot of Bible. And I, I really am still amazed when someone says that because, well, number one, I'm a pastor. Well, let me back up. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian pastor, and I'm a Christian pastor at a church. What, do you, what did you think we were going to do? Like, turn in your magazine? I mean, I don't even know. I'm... So, so Bible and, and the Word of God. I, and I believe so much in the, in the power of the Word of God. That, that tonight, I, I have this message for you, and I think the Lord gave that to me for you, but the Lord just shows you something special. We were talking, Brother Fleck and I, yesterday about Brother Welder, Bevan's Welder. He's a pastor in Corpus Christi, Texas, and how he just tries to get a nugget out of a message. And he's always been that way. He's been a very good friend of ours and faithful and great counselor. I consider him to be my pastor. And, and uh, just getting a nugget. Just get a nugget. Let the Lord show you something. Look at Matthew chapter 24. Look at verse number 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And you know, you're getting a tribulation type material here. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then, they sh- uh, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. He's speaking primarily of Israel. And then, they shall, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, notice, the love of many shall wax cold. Don't miss the next verse, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, in a very practical, spiritual sense here, it still happens today that iniquity abounds, sin abounds, transgression abounds, and so what happens is the love of many shall wax cold. You get cold. Uh, the Lord rebukes the church in Revelation chapter number 2. You left your first love. Have you the Lord? That's your first love. Like true love. And, and it happens. And, and he advises that church later on. Repent. Repent. I, I, I think that churches need a good old-fashioned repentance session. Like, like if you can't remember the last time you said I was wrong... You, you, you might just want to say it just for saying it's sake. And I, I know that's not the best English or anything, but because you were wrong about something to someone. I have this preacher friend in, in the States, and he says, I'm smiling, so you can't be mad at me. <laughs> I was wrong. We try to teach our kids that at a young age. I was wrong. What, what is this? It's repentance because I got this coldness going on. My, my love isn't where it should be. Sometimes it's for the brethren. We don't, we don't love each other like we should. When we don't love each other like we should, we can fight over things that we shouldn't fight over. I, I hope that you understand that. Look, there's, there are other people out there in this land today that are saved. There's other people in this world that are saved. There's other, there's other churches, probably not a many, but there's other churches preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in our area, there are 
I would say dozens of churches preaching the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ for sin and sinners. Just preaching it straight. We're not the only church, but, but we're part of that very, very small group of Christians who loves the Lord and believes the book and wants to evangelize the world one sinner at a time. And you get to be a part of that. And, 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 and there's no time there's no time for hatred. There's no time for strife amongst ourselves. There's, there's no time for petty arguments. And what that love does is it brings unity. The Bible says charity, and that's brotherly love, by the way. Charity is the bond of perfectness. It, it holds us together. So, the love is waxing cold here, and, and, and what, do you, what do you do? And it's, it's not always your sin, by the way, and it's not always your iniquity. It's just, it's everywhere, isn't it? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And that can really turn the thermostat down in your life. You get, you get cold, you get frozen to the things of God. And, and God wants you to endure. And uh, you need someone to warm you up. Let, let, me, let me show you an illustration, and I was hesitate to go here, but go here anyway. Look over to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 1. Verse number 1. This is that king, same King David, the one that, by the way, fought Goliath and beat him. Now, David, now, King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. That's a great statement. He got no heat. It's a sad statement, but he got no heat. Circulation slowing down. And wherefore his servant said unto him, Let there be sought for my lord the king a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her cherish him, and let her lie in thy bosom, that my lord the king may get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel throughout all the coast of Israel, and found Abishag, a Shunammite, and brought her to the king. <laughs> What'd she do? She just she laid next to him and warmed him up. That's what she did. So that's odd. It's odd to the Western mind. I think it might be odd to your mind, it just, but, it's, but it is what it is. And there's a you know, situation in, in survival or outdoors that you can get hyperthermia and your body temperature drops and, and really sooner than later you're going to go into shock and then coma and perhaps die. And you know, one of the best things to do in a survival situation is you know, if you're with someone, if you're without someone, hey, you're not getting heat. But if you're with someone, you're stripping down, you're getting right next to that person, skin against skin, and you're going to get some heat. And there's, there's hundreds, thousands of survival stories just like that where two men, two women, a man and a woman, they had to hop into a sleeping bag together just to get some heat so they didn't die. Because the Lord doesn't want you to die. He wants you to live for Him. They get no heat. The Bible gives a term, it's, it's called fervent. Fervent means to be hot or very warm. It means boiling. And the Bible lists some things that were to be fervent in spirit and fervent in prayer. That's, that's Elijah, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth 
much and have a fervent mind and a fervent love. We're to love with a pure heart fervently and to have fervent charity one toward another. Heat. Warm each other up. Why? Because when you get cold, you need a brother, you need a sister to get alongside you to heat you up. Uh, my, my brother and I, this, this is years ago, we had a mountain. We would call it a mountain, but it really was maybe, maybe like 4,000 feet, maybe 5,000 feet. So we had this little mountain behind our uh, uh, house where my parents lived, and it's called Bonner Mountain, and, and it was June. So in June, the, the, the temperatures, uh, I can't translate, is 17, is that warm? What's that, what would that be Fahrenheit? Yeah, it's about 70 degrees, 70 degrees in June, 80 degrees Fahrenheit in June. But it'll drop down to about, well, 40, 35 at night. And especially as you get higher up. And so my brother David and I, we're going to go hiking and we're going to go look for elk. So we're going to hunt in the fall and so we're going to look for some elk. And, and we get up there and we're going to spend the night. And I am not a camper. Like, you know, like a tent and trailer. No, I got a really nice house with a really nice bed and an espresso maker. And I don't want to camp. And people will say to me, yeah, but you've never gone camping with me. And I say, exactly. Because <laughs> I don't camp. <laughs> so anyway, we, we decided we're going to camp. And this probably contributed to that trauma. We get up to a place and it's getting dark. You know, it's getting dark about 8.30 at night and maybe 8. And, and uh, we, we found a flat area. And we pull, out of our, we pull out of our backpacks our sleeping bags. Well, I, I had grabbed... A sleeping bag, but it was someone's sleeping bag who was about six. You know, I'm, I'm like 22 at this time, 23. So it's about a sleeping bag that's about to hear with my feet in it. My brother pulls out his blanket, and it was kind of a blankie. That's what it was. It was this polyester thing that, you know, when you held it up, we could see each other. We're going to be fine. We're men. So we got a fire going. And it's cracking and popping, and really both of our sleeping bag and his blanket are both very flammable, so we're far enough apart where we're not getting a lot of heat from the fire, and then the fire, you know, it drifts and goes off. About two in the morning, I, I yell, I, I, I kind of, Dave, his name's David, Dave, I said, are you awake? <laughs> he says, I am now. <laughs> I, I am not lying, I'm not fabricating anything, if anything, I'm underplaying this. I said, Dave, I'm cold. I'm coming over to snuggle. So there we are up on the top of the hill on Bonner Mountain, my brother David and I snuggling together. You know why? Because I got no heat. <laughs> and I needed to be warm. And we're brothers. And I've told that story someplace, and they're like, ooh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're not, we're not excited about it, but... But we got some heat. You get cold, you need someone to warm you up. Okay, go back here to Ecclesiastes. I, I got to hurry. Ecclesiastes chapter number four, and then look at verse number one. So number one, if, 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 you're, if you've fallen, and, you're, and chances are you will, and maybe you are right now. If you're frozen, you're just cold. The things of God, they just don't, they don't stir you up like they used to. You get someone around, get around someone who's a little fervent. There was a guy in the scriptures, Epaphras. He was a fervent dude. Got around him and there was excitement. And then, and then, and then lastly in this here, he says, verse number 12, 
He says, uh, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. So when you fight, when you're in the fight, and if you're saved, uh, you're in the fight. Now, you might not be fighting, but the fight is on. So I'm more of a lover than a fighter. Well, you need to be a lover and a fighter. Because I'll tell you this, the enemy, he's not stepping back. He's pulverizing you if you're not fighting. And some of you know that. So the fight's on, and if you're saved, you're to be a, a good soldier of Jesus Christ, and, and you need help. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 21. You need some help in the fight. You need some help in the fight. Some of you remember the story of Jonathan in 1 Samuel 14, and that's Saul's son, and he's thinking, you know, the Bible says it was just a day, a certain day, and he goes up and he fights the Philistines, and his armor bearer is just there, and he says, I'm with you. Turn you, I'm with you. You do whatever you want, I got your back. I got your back. I, I think I know your pastor well enough that I can say to him, turn you, I got your back. Like, I'm for you. I'm for you. When you're in a fight, you need that. David here, that same David who fell and the same David who got cold, now, now he's fighting and he's old. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 21. And uh, look, at, look at verse number 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Ishbi Benob, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David, but Abishai, the son of Zariah, secured. That's to help with intent. He helped him. Abishai helped him. And they made a little rule then after that. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. But you know what David needed? He needed help. Ishbi Benob is on top of him, and he's prevailing, and all of a sudden Abishai comes out of nowhere. Two are better than one in the fight. And he fights with them, and he fights for them, but he doesn't fight against them. Striving together, the Bible says, for the Faith of the gospel. Two are better than one. Let me give you one more. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Two are better than one. John chapter 15. Two are better than one. If you fall, when you're freezing, when you're fighting. And John chapter 15. Two are better than one in order to be fruitful. Fruitful. Just going to jump out of Ecclesiastes here for a second and we'll wrap it up. To be fruitful. I think when we talk about missions, uh, one, one thing the Apostle Paul would say to the church at Corinth, it, it was about fruit. He'd say it to Philippi as well, fruit. fruit. Fruit that may abound to your account. And in order to be fruitful, the Lord makes a lot of statements in John chapter 15, but if you notice the one down in verse number 5, one that you're very familiar with, He says there, John 15 and verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. 
It takes two. You know, if you're married, you understand it takes two to have fruit. That's what the Lord is saying here. We're in a relationship here, and it takes two. You, you can't bear fruit alone, no matter what science tries to do. You, you need me. And, and you can do nothing without me. So, so without me, you can do nothing. In order to bear fruit, it takes, it, takes, it takes two. Paul would say, I have planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. Go back here to Ecclesiastes chapter number four. What is that? Two are better than one. When you're fighting, when you're freezing, when you've fallen, in order to be fruitful, two are better than one. And look at that verse number 12 again. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know what you need? You too, and 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 those two, and them two, and those two, and those two, and all those twos. You know what they need? They need the Lord. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Paul says, I planted, Apollo swattered, but God gave the increase. Two are better than one, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken broken in the context of missions a local church partners with a a missionary and bible baptist church of potlash it's it's your privilege it's your opportunity to partner with missionaries and help lift them up lift them up encourage them anytime every time you can lift them up it's your opportunity to warm them up anytime and every time that you can warm them up. Don't try to strive over foolish questions and problems and, hey, warm them up. It's your opportunity and privilege to fight alongside your missionaries. And it's your opportunity to be fruitful together. So it comes down to two are better than one. Threefold cord is not quickly broken. And we get it and we know it. Now it's time to be it. It's time to find a missionary, find someone to partner up with in the context of missions. Find that missionary, get up next to him, help him out, warm him up, fight alongside him, bear fruit together, let God give the increase. Maybe here today, maybe you're here today though. I'm, 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 I'm fallen. We get help. I, I see a lot of helpers around here. I, I'm cold. By the way, you've got to admit it. I'm cold. I'm falling. Um, boy, I'm really in a battle right now. Maybe some of you are just, you've never bore any fruit. What do you mean fruit? There's, there's a lot of fruit. We don't have to go time to go through all that, but a lot of fruit. Get alongside. Make sure you've got the Lord in on all of it. He's the most important. Get Him on in all of it. Partner up with someone. Get some help. Let's pray. Father, just thank you. Uh, thank, thank you for the help that you are. Uh, Lord, without you, we can do nothing. Uh, we, we need you. We need you. We need you. And uh, Lord, I, I just ask tonight that you'd help uh, this church, Bible Baptist Church, Potlatch, Potlatch, Potchefstroom. Lord, help them.
Help, help them to lift up the fallen. Lord, help them to warm up the cold. Lord, help them to fight alongside those who are in the battle. And Lord, may they bear fruit together. Lord, we need you, your help in all these things. And so we trust you for all of it. And I pray this all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believing. Amen. Pastor. Man, I'd like for you to all stand, if you would. Let's stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. Not sure if Connie's available. Maybe we can play something quietly, if that's all right. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm not going to keep you folks long. You know that there's coffee available. You guys are welcome to stay around and fellowship, but I believe the Spirit of God is doing something, and, and I want to give you a chance to react to that. As the music softly plays, I want to remind you, Jesus taught us to pray for laborers to go into the harvest. And, and he pointed out so aptly tonight that the two that work well together, they're laborers. They work well together. And perhaps tonight the Spirit of God has put His finger on your heart and reminded you that there's a, there's a part that you can play. There's a job for you to do. Think of the local church as one. You are the other one. And if we're doing this under God's, let's say by God's will, there's our threefold cord. There's an altar open. If the Lord's spoken to your heart, maybe you need to come and say, Lord, I haven't done much as, as, as a laborer. This is a great time to come and say, God, I don't even know what I have to offer, but I'm offering myself a living sacrifice. Here I am. You, you know what you're supposed to do with a sacrifice? Put it on the altar. Perhaps some of you need to come tonight and, and get down on this altar and say, Lord, I've, I've just grown cold. The things of God don't touch my heart. Not like they used to. There's an altar here. You can come and tell the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm hurting. I'm in this battle and I'm getting pummeled and I, I don't even know how to get up anymore. And, Lord, I got knocked down and I just need some help. You know what it could be? The local church is one and the one we need to add to that is a, somebody that God's trying to send out to the mission field or into the ministry. South Africa is a mission field. We need pastors. We need Bible-believing, preaching pastors. We will help. But we need you to come and say, I'll be a laborer. We'll do it together by God's grace.
some are praying. I'm going to give them a moment. I'm going to take a moment. Church, would you be obedient to the Spirit of God tonight? If you need to come and pray, some of you haven't been in the altar in years. Maybe you've forgotten what it looks like up here. Come and let it get fresh again to you. That's why we have these meetings. You take a moment and pray. With as much prayer as we have put into this meeting, I do not take lightly anything said from this pulpit. And if you came tonight hungry to hear from God, I believe that you did. Did you get your nugget? Did you get at least that one thing that God was trying to send you home with? Are you ready to go do something about it? In just a moment, I'll close us in prayer. Guys, that's when the application of that nugget becomes important. Right then. Don't wait. Right away. Don't let it slip. Don't let the birds of the air come and snatch that seed. Do something about it. Father, we thank you tonight for speaking to our hearts. And I I know that you did. Lord, amongst us, and it's always going to be true. Some have fallen. Some are freezing. Some are fighting. Some are trying to bear fruit. And I thank you, Father, for a church that you've put together where we can help each other with that. Lord, as we close, we just want to acknowledge we're not enough we know that we need you more than more than we know continue to minister to our hearts and Lord as it pertains to missions bring more people our way that we can partner with help us Lord help us to Lend a helping hand to those laborers. It is a privilege to do so. Father, thank you. 
for helping us tonight. You reached down tonight. You helped us. Thank you. Bless our fellowship now that follows. Give us good rest tonight. Lord, bring us back refreshed, hungry, ready to hear more tomorrow. Bless, Lord, this, this conference. Keep your hand on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Folks, thank you so much. Well worth our time tonight. Please hang around as, much, as long as you'd like. Grab a cup of coffee before you go. If that's your thing, Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow, 10 a.m.